Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. But the water that I shall give him in shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. What the Lord was saying to that woman is that if you keep asking and seeking and knocking on the world of men for that love, care, and self-esteem that you crave, you're gonna keep on getting knocked down, you're gonna keep on coming up thirsty again because no man in the world can give you what you need. But if you take the water that I give you, there will come a person to live inside of you A person will be me in the person of my Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Christ is called. And inside of you, he will be that well of water springing up into everlasting life. Inside of you, the Holy Spirit will be that well of water springing up into endless love and care. Inside of you, the Holy Spirit will be that well of water that will give you the sweet hello that's meant for only you, that will be that someone who you can mean something to. Inside of you, the well of water is going to spring up and it's going to give you the love of John 3.16, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, that you believing in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And you'll never find that from the world You'll never find that from a world of men. And as long as you keep asking and knocking and seeking the world of men, you'll just keep singing that old song. You'll keep coming up thirsty again. But if you drink the water that I give you, you'll have a new song. Your new song's gonna be, I found a friend, oh, such a friend. Jesus is all the world to me. I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love to tell how he lifted me and what his grace can do for you. You're gonna say, you're gonna sing about the new friend. Found a friend, oh, such a friend. He loved me ere I knew him. He drew me with cords of love, and thus he bound me to him. Round my heart still closely twine those ties that not can sever. I'm his, he is mine forever and forever. A song like, uh, all my life I had panted for a draught from some cool spring that I hope would quench the burning of the thirst I found within. Hallelujah, I found him who my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings through life. I know I'm saved. I mean, I kind of get worked up a little bit about this woman at the well because I feel very much like I know that woman at the well with the five plus husbands in her life because, because I was the kid, I was the son of my father who was married five times. 
and in addition did have five common law wives in between, 10 women, 10 women in his life. For me, one mother and nine stepmothers. I was a little kid who sat through them all. I sat through all the 10 women. I was a little kid who heard my dad on the phone talking for hours with his friends in, a, in the same cycle of two phone calls. The first phone call was, I found her. Oh, she's so different from the rest. She's so wonderful. She's so beautiful. She's so intelligent. She's so funny. She's just marvelous. I love her. That was the first phone call. The second phone call was, she's horrible. All she cares about is money. She's the worst person I've ever met in my life. I hate her. So I'm a little kid, you know, I'm listening to the cycle here. Those are the two problems that people fall into. There are two problems that people fall into when they read this account at the woman of the well. Two errors, two errors of misapplication that people make when they read this history of the woman of the well in John chapter four. The first problem, the first problem is they look at this woman and they say, five husbands, who knows how many other men in her bed, what an immoral woman, how dirty of her, that's not me. Therefore, what the Lord Jesus said to this woman has no application to me. That's all for sexually immoral people. I'm not asleep around, that doesn't apply to me. That's a misapplication of this history because the truth is that we're all the same as that woman at the well because whether it's sexual sin or any other sin, Romans 3.23 applies to us as well, which says, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ecclesiastes 7.20, Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And 1 John 3, 1 John 1, 8, 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we could almost say, if we have the audacity to say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The truth is that every one of us has and does sin and there's no such thing as a good sin. There's no such thing as a white lie. There's no such thing as a clean sin. All sin is dirty. All sin is rotten. We are all dirty, rotten sinners. Yes, that woman at the well was a dirty, rotten sinner, and if we're honest, then we'll step over the line and take our place with her as just another dirty, rotten sinner. That's the first error of misapplication, to push this woman away from us and like the Pharisees stand on the other side of Luke 18.11, Luke 18.11 and say, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican, I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all I possess, we're wrong. We're wrong to look at this immoral woman in John 4 and to go on the other side of, with the Pharisee and say, I thank thee that I'm not as this woman at the well. But we're right. We're right to leave the Pharisee side and go over to the side of this woman at the well and say what the publican in Luke 18, 13, Luke 18, 13, the publican standing afar off would not lift so much as his head, eyes to heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We're right to go over the side of this woman at the well and to say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, just as bad as this woman at the well. Or as Paul put it, as Paul put it in 1 Timothy 1.15, 1 Timothy 1.15 when he said, 
This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So wrote the man who wrote most of the New Testament. So this is the first error of misapplication for this history of the woman of the well in John 4 is to say, I'm not a dirty woman of the street that has no application to me. But there's a second misapplication of this history of the woman at the well in John 4. And it's not to see how what she did applies to us. And not the sleeping around, but what was motivating her to sleep around. The point of the history of this woman at the well is missed when it's not recognized what the woman at the well was actually doing in her life. She was looking to the world, in her case, the world of men, for true inner soul satisfaction. She was looking at the world and and she was asking, she was seeking, she was knocking to find love, to find contentment, to find find happiness. And the point of the history of this woman of the well is missed when a person says, oh yes, but she was a lost person. She was not saved. She was not a believer. And when the Lord spoke to her, he was trying to get a lost person saved. But me, I'm not lost, I'm saved. I'm a believer. I don't need to be saved. I don't need to come to the Lord. I already did that. I already did so the woman at the well, she doesn't apply directly to me. I already have had that well of water springing up into everlasting life. The history, this history of the woman at the well only applies to me for the purposes of instruction and evangelism, that's all. The value I get from this history of the woman of the well is just to see how how I should witness to a lost person. That's the only application that I see in this history. Nothing more. I'm not lost like the woman at the well, so only in the days, only in the days before I was saved can I identify with this woman at the well, but not now. I don't now identify with her. That's a common position among believers to have that position of not identifying with the woman of the well in the present is to miss the point of the history. Because the point of the history here is seen with these words, drinketh of this water. Present tense, drinketh of this water. In John 4, 13, John 4, 13, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. And the lost are not the only ones that are drinking of this water and thirsting again. Drink of this water applies also to the saved. Drink of this water and thirst again applies to the saved. What is this? What's this water? What's this water the the Lord is referring to in John 4, 13? It's looking to something or someone in this world and asking and seeking and knocking for satisfaction of the soul. That's this water. This water that the Lord is referring to it might be a relationship that someone is asking and seeking and knocking, saved person, asking and seeking and knocking on to bring happiness to, it might be a relationship where they're not married, it might be a relationship where they are married, might be a relationship with a spouse, but it's looking to that relationship like Barbara Streisand sings, tell him, tell him that the sun and moon rise in his eyes. Reach out to him and whisper tender words so soft and sweet. Hold him close to feel his heart beat. Love, and then she says something very interesting when she sings this, love will be the gift you give yourself. What? What did she mean? 
the sun and the moon rise in his eyes and so love, your love is the love you give yourself. Why does she say that? Love will be you give yourself. Because the person is asking and seeking and knocking on a human relationship, on the love of a human relationship to give back the gift of happiness and contentment. And it's these human relationships that is the this water that the Lord is referring to when he said in John 4.13, John 4.13, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Human relationships, that's the common stuff of this water. That's the common stuff of this water that disappoints where people put their whole heart into asking and to seeking and to knocking. Like this, an old song from the 50s with the lyrics of, of a girl's devotion to a boyfriend. And when you listen to this, you think, oh, she must be singing about God. No, I will follow him. Follow him wherever he may go. There isn't an ocean too deep, a mountain so high it can keep me away. I must follow him, follow him. Ever since he touched my hand, I knew that near him I will always be, and nothing can keep him from me. He is my destiny. He'll always be my true love, my true love, my true love, from now on till forever and forever. The Lord hear those words? The Lord hears those words about a boy? He is my destiny? He'll always be my true love, both now until forever. And the Lord shakes his head back and forth and says, that's the water I'm talking about in John 4, 13. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. The water that causes a person to thirst again, it can be relationships, it can be achievements and attainments in life, of which the Lord referred to in Mark 8, 36. Mark 8, 36, where he said, what shall it profit a man? if he gained the whole world and then lose his soul. The reason this water of gain makes a person thirst again is because more is never enough. And the issue here is asking and seeking and knocking on the door of the world of relationships, the world of possessions, the world of pleasures for soul satisfaction. This is what the Lord meant in John 4, 13. Whosoever drinks this water shall thirst again Whosoever drinks of the water, but then he goes on, he says, whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, never thirst. So there's gotta be a turning. There's gotta be a time in a person's life of a turning to the Lord Jesus with the asking and the seeking and the knocking for satisfaction. And that means a turning to the Lord means a turning away from asking and seeking and knocking at the world. That's called repentance. That's called repentance because, as we saw in Matthew 6.24, Matthew 6.24, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve. In that case, he said you cannot serve God and mammon. But the same is true that no man can ask and seek and knock on both God's door and the world's door. A person is either going to turn to God with his asking, seeking, and knocking, or a person is going to turn to the world of relationships, possessions, achievements, pleasures, whatever. No man can ask, seek, and knock towards God and the world at the same time. It's got to be one or the other. And so everyone that is asking, seeking, and knocking today, they're either doing it on to the world or to God. And if a person turns, then the Lord said, I've got what you're looking for. So... The call, Matthew 7, 7, of ask, seek, and knock, is really a call to turn away from 
asking and seeking and knocking on the door of the world to turn to asking, seeking, and knocking on God's door. It's a call to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But the asking and the seeking and the knocking is a certain type. It's not a curious asking. It's not a half-hearted seeking. It's not a casual knocking. But what the Lord is really calling for is a genuine asking for the gift of God, this gift of this water that's bringing up into eternal life. This is a serious seeking for the treasure that he is talking about that's available. And this is an urgent knocking on heaven's doors. Okay, now, the Lord now is now going from seeing a lost person come with his asking and seeking and knocking to the Lord. He's seeing this person go through the narrow gate and start on that narrow road to heaven. And he sees them there, he's just at the beginning of doing this, and now he comes in in verse 15 with a warning. A warning in verse 15. And the warning is, beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. Now, you know, we may be tempted to look at that false prophet. Oh, prophet, he's, he's the one who says that, uh, you know, the world's gonna come to end on this date and so forth. A prophet doesn't just foretell the future, but a prophet also is a teacher, is teaching. And so what the Lord is saying in verse 15 is beware of false teachers. Now, he uses this word beware. It's a very strong word because be packed in to that word beware is the idea of be cautious of, be suspicious of, be on your guard towards. I remember when I had just come to the Lord Jesus in 1971, I, was, uh, I came to the Lord in 1970, and in 1971 I was a new believer, not even a year old in the Lord, on UCSD campus. You know, that bastion of knowledge and wisdom, you know, anyway. So uh, there I was, and, um, and I met some fellow students on campus one time, and they told me they were believers also. Well, now, you have to know that in 1971, there were very few believers on campus. There were no, nobody on faculty that was a believer, and there was not even enough believers on campus to form a Campus Crusade Fellowship Group or an InterVarsity Christian Fellowship Group or Navigators, it wasn't. So all of us believers kind of huddled together and formed one group, which we called TCF, Trident Christian Fellowship. Now it's different today, there are more. At that time, we were very few in number. So to meet some fellow believers on campus was rare and it was something different. And so here come these two guys. So I remember I was sitting down on, on a block wall and I remember that one sat on one side of me and the other sat on the other side of me and they came on strong. Strong with a question of, have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Now, I'm a new believer. I don't know what this is. Have you spoken in tongues yet? I had no idea what they're talking about. You know, a gift I knew about was a gift of being forgiven, of being cleansing, but they're talking about, you You know, you need to rise up to the next level. Well, I had no knowledge at all. I didn't know. I didn't know the Bible. The only thing I knew was that these guys were coming on strong and they were aggressive and they were putting pressure on me to do something. And that made my guard go up. That made me suspicious. And this is what the Lord is talking about when he says the word beware. Be careful. Don't let your guard down. Look carefully. 
Look carefully, and when you find something that's not right, something falsehood in what a person is saying or teaching, avoid them, have nothing to do with them. You know, there was a day in the time of the Lord with his disciples, it must have been a beautiful day, on the Mount of Olives, Mount of Olives on the east side of Jerusalem, and probably it was in the morning, you can imagine in the morning, the sun is rising, the golden sun on Yerushalayim Shelhava, you know, on Jerusalem of gold, and so Jerusalem is, is looking there, gold buildings with the gold is shining, and the disciples, you can just imagine them with the Lord and others on the Mount of Olives, they're mesmerized by these golden buildings of the temple, and they wanna show the Lord these beautiful temple buildings like he needed to be shown, but anyway, and that's how the day all started, and with an admiration of the temple buildings, and, and then the Lord shocks them about his comments about the temple buildings in Matthew 24, one. Matthew 24, one. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, that was just a stunning comment. I mean, here one minute, the disciples are basking in the beauty of these temple buildings. They just wanna talk to the Lord about how beautiful the temple buildings are, and then the Lord states that every one of those stones in the temple buildings is gonna be thrown down. I mean, they're standing there on the Mount of Olives. They're looking at the temple buildings of Jerusalem. They're beautiful. In between them is the Kidron Valley there. And the Lord is telling them that the stones of the temple are gonna be thrown down in that valley in Jerusalem. And you know, for them, it's like, that did it. They thought, boy, it really knows how to ruin a beautiful time. But all of a sudden, the whole atmosphere changes. It changes from, oh, what a beautiful morning to, oh, what a terrible time is coming. And now the disciples, they have one question, when? When? I mean, there are a lot of people around the Lord when he said that, and so you can imagine the disciples just kind of blotted out, so let's pretend we didn't hear it. But then they get privately alone with the Lord in Matthew 24, 3, Matthew 24, 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So they understood that he was talking about the end of the world when the Lord was talking, and he was talking about his return at that point, and so they ask him, when, what, when, what? And so they're expecting for the Lord to say something like, well, you know, this country is going to have this great national war with this country, or there's gonna be this, you know, huge natural disaster that's gonna come, a massive earthquake, something like that. That's what they're expecting. But instead, the Lord spoke about what was gonna happen to them when he replied in Matthew 24, 4, Matthew 24, 4, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no man deceive you. Now, his reply to their question about what was gonna be the indicator for the end of the world and for his return, his reply was all about a personal deception. Matthew 24, 4, take heed that no man deceive you. And we can picture the disciples that, at that point backing away from the Lord with their private question about the end times and wondering, that doesn't sound like an answer to our question. I mean, we ask what's the sign of the end times gonna be, and he tells us to be careful we're not deceived. And so they're maybe wondering, did he really hear us? Maybe he didn't hear our question. But the Lord did hear their question, and that was the answer to their question. Because in the last days, there will be such strong winds of deception 
that it will threaten the strongest disciple. He said another place in Mark 13, 22, Mark 13, 22, false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, the very elect. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 